chapter 4, we want to look at verses 1 through 8. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to be sharing a sermon entitled, Taking Steps to Grow in My Sanctification in 2019. Taking Steps. Taking steps, you're going to hear a lot about, uh, it's your move. Taking step, taking a step, taking steps in your, to grow in your sanctification in 2019. So we're going to be dealing with uh, sanctification this morning. Growing in Christ, set apart to, uh, for the purposes of Christ. So taking the steps to grow in your sanctification in 2019. Begin reading with verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 4. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God even your sanctification. Now, oftentimes we say, well, I wonder what the will of God is for my life. Well, he tells us right here. This is the will of God, your sanctification. For this is the will of God, verse 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. God hasn't called us to impurity, but he's called us to holiness. He's called us to sanctification. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to worship you and now to open your word. Speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Give me uh, the voice I need this morning. Give me the right words to say. Let me say them in the right spirit. Challenge our hearts, I pray, through your Holy Spirit. May we be willing to humble our hearts and make the decisions that you're calling us to make today. Lord, as we grow toward our sanctification, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Bible teaches us that Christianity is not a piece of jewelry that we wear. Christianity is not a pastime. Christianity is just not a hobby that we involve ourselves with occasionally. Christianity really is not a uh, ceremony that we go through on Sunday morning or other times that we come to church. But if you'll notice in verse 1, he speaks about walking and pleasing God. He said so, he said in verse 1, Furthermore, then we beseech you, we exhort you by the Lord Jesus as that, that as ye have received of us how you ought to walk 
and please God. So walk speaks of motion. Walk speaks of progression, of a continual approach toward a definite goal. We have our eyes set on a goal. And we're walking this Christian walk. And we're walking toward that goal. Every day we need to be getting closer and closer and closer to that goal. And so the goal is Christ-likeness. Every day we should be walking to the point that we're becoming more like Christ. If I'm not becoming more like Christ today than I was yesterday, then I'm not walking right. How's your walk? Are you, are you taking steps, growing toward your sanctification? How's your walk? And so the goal of the Christian life, real simple, is to be more like Jesus Christ. That's our goal. And so, first of all, the biblical meaning of, salvation, uh, of sanctification. What is the biblical meaning of sanctification? Now, that's a theological term you, you hear from time to time. But what's the meaning of it? What's the meaning of sanctification? Here's the point. If the will of God is sanctification, which it is, so this is the will of God, your sanctification, verse 3. If the will of God for me, for you, is sanctification, then by all means we need to know first what sanctification means. So now there are two words in the original in which we get this one word, sanctification. In the Old Testament, you have things written in the Hebrew, and the Hebrew word is kadash, kadash. The Greek word in the New Testament, things written in the New Testament is Greek. Greek word in the New Testament is hagias. And so you've got kadash in Hebrew, you've got hagias in the Greek. And so the Hebrew word kadash is mostly translated saint or holy or consecrate or dedicate. The temple was holy. We were to, they dedicated the showbread. So in the, in the Hebrew, you'll find that things that were sanctified primarily referred to things. But in the Greek, the word translated sanctification or hagias, sanctification, is sanctification, holiness, consecration, dedication. So the Hebrew word generally spoke of things. The Greek word generally spoke of persons. And so the point is, throughout Scripture, the Old Testament and New Testament, both persons and things are spoken of as holy, sanctified, set apart for the purpose of God. And so we're set apart for the purpose of God. So when you were saved, God sanctified you. When you were saved, He set you apart for His purpose. The moment you were saved. So, you're in the world, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world, because I've been set apart by God for His purposes. And so, if you're a believer here this morning, you have been set apart for the purposes of God. You belong to Him. Now, the problem here in 1 Thessalonians 4, or Thessalonians as a whole, these Thessalonians believers lived in a very non-Christian culture, being set apart for God. Now, keep up with me. They lived in a non-Christian culture, although they were set apart for the purposes of God. 
Now, when you live in a non-Christian culture, the lifestyle of Jesus really is not the norm. Amen? We're finding that in our culture today. We're, we're fastly becoming a non-Christian culture. And living like Jesus and for Jesus and his purposes is not the norm today. I mean, uh, if you're a Christian today, you're living against the flow. You're swimming against the stream. You are, uh, you're going against the grain, so to speak. And so then it, it's more difficult today. It was then to walk the walk and to live the Christian life. And so in this Greek culture, immorality was the norm. That was the norm. They even had, they even had prostitutes employed as a part of a worship experience down at the temple. That's how bad it gotten. So the point is... Immorality was the norm of the day in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, I can remember in my lifetime as early childhood, I'm really not that old. Judy's older than I am. Her birthday's February the 12th, and so she's February to May older than I am. But in my lifetime, I can remember where morality was the norm. I can remember that. I mean, there was immorality. We use different words for immorality then as we do now, than we do now. I mean, we use the word cohabitation today, and we use shacking up when I was a child. It's a little different. Alcohol was the number one drug then. It's the number one drug today. That hasn't changed. Divorce was frowned upon. It's pretty well accepted today. I mean, marriage then was honorable, and it's not as honorable today. And so to live your Christian life today at work and, and youth, children, to live it at school, you're going against the flow. Kennedy, you're going against the flow. Ashley, you're going against the flow, all of you. If you're, a, if you're a believer and in school, you're going against the flow. Now, you have a choice to make. You go against the flow, you go with the flow. You're sanctified, living for the purposes of God, or all of that was just a bunch of baloney, and you're going to flow with the flow. That's your choice. As students and adults. So, you know, we're, we're having to live a, a counterculture, and it, 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 makes, it makes you feel strange. It may even make you look strange. You may, may feel like a, you know, a teenager may feel like an oddball. And you have all this peer pressure, and, and you may feel unaccepted, and, and you, know, you, just, you feel odd. The point is, what these Christians were experiencing in society in Thessalonia, Thessalonica, is what many are experiencing today. Therefore, Paul is teaching them how to walk the walk and how to live the Christian life. 
Now, there one problem today that uh, we're fighting against is some churches today, in order to satisfy the culture, are trying to be like the culture. Uh, they're trying to attract the culture. They may use the word like seeker-friendly. And so they twist and bend in order to attract the culture. So the way to get people out of a dark culture is not to turn down the light, but it's to turn up the light. That's how you get them out of the dark culture. You don't turn down the preaching, but you turn up the preaching of the Word of God. That's why Paul told young Timothy, he said, preach the Word, preach it in season when it's favorable, and they want to hear it, then preach it out of season when it's unfavorable and they don't want to hear it. Preach the Word. And so you bring them out of the dark culture, not but dimming the lights or dumbing it down, but you preach the Word. That's how you bring them out. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, let me share this with you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 Paul says, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and doctrine. He's not turning nothing down. For the time will come when they will endure, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You just preach what I want you to preach and teach what I want you to preach and step on their toes but leave mine alone type thing. And verse 4, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and they shall be turned into fables, fairy tales. It's really not so what they're hearing. Verse 3, 1 Thessalonians, he says, For the will of God even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication or sexual immorality. You see, the word holy, the word saint, the word sanctification, all come from the same root word, which means to be set apart. So as a Christian, I'm set apart for the purpose of God. And so first, the word means set apart for the purpose of God. But secondly, and I must hurry, we're, we're being set apart from power over sin. From power, let me say it this way, from power and control of sin. That's what we're being set apart from. The problem with the Thessalonians, these believers, where they had been set apart by God, but they still maintained and they contained, they continued these patterns of sin, i.e. fornication. I mean, they were... They were, Paul said, and you're going to have to break from these things. He says there in verse, verse 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, all forms of immorality, fornication. And so they'd been set apart, but they still had this pattern going on that they had to break free from, and they would have to be set apart from those patterns. They would have to be set apart for the exclusive use of God. 
That's why you're set apart. So sanctification, the good definition I found, sanctification is the process that is ongoing in the life of a Christian where we are growing to be more like Jesus Christ. Sanctification is the process that is ongoing in the life of a Christian where we are growing to be more like Jesus Christ. Now, the essence of this sermon is this coming year, I'm praying that you will take certain steps toward growing more like Jesus Christ in Bible study, in your prayer time, in about seven or eight disciplines of the Christian life. I see some, I see some that don't have, I see some that have some, I see some that have more, I see some that have less, some that just floating alone. So therefore, it is the will of God in 2019 for you as a believer to grow to be more like Jesus. Anyone. Now, teenagers, I'm not just talking to adults. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you need to be growing in sanctification and, and being what God wants you to be. Big question, are you willing to take the steps in sanctification to be more like Jesus in your prayer time, in your Bible study, in discipleship, in evangelism, in missions, in ministry, in stewardship? And that's just seven that I jotted down that are common Christian disciplines that bring us closer to being like Him. And if you don't have those in your life, you're not growing to be close like Him. Are closer to him. Now, if you're going to grow in sanctification, you need, you need to understand what holiness is. Now, remember, sanctification, holiness. Sanctification means holiness, set-apartness for the exclusive purpose of God. Holiness. Did you know holiness is God's supreme attribute? I mean, in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it say that God says, I'm love, love, love. God says, I'm love. Nowhere in the Bible does he say that I'm, that I'm just, just, just. But he says, I'm just. Nowhere in the Bible does he say that I'm light, light, light. He just says, I'm the light. But when you turn over to Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6 Verse 1 through 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting up on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Just his train, just the back part of his robe filled the entire temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With, with two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That is the, that's the only place where you will find an attribute of God thrice repeated. Holy, holy, holy. His main attribute is holy, and that's why he says, Be you holy as I am holy. What does holy mean? Set apart. He's set apart. There's none like him. And he said, you need to be holy. You need to be set apart. And if you're anything, then set apart 
to God in this world, you are either backslidden or lost. Holy, holy, holy. So, emphasis. Holy, three times, supreme attribute. And later on in the New Testament, we're told to be holy as God is holy. Now remember this, holy is the mark of a real Christian. Holiness is the mark of a real Christian. Write it down. Holiness, set-apartness, is a mark, or the mark, sorry, the mark of a real Christian. If you want to know if somebody's a real Christian or not, see how much they're set apart from the world. See how much they're trying to grow, grow closer and closer to the purpose of God for their life. So when God saves you, He sets you apart, meaning He transforms you. You're a new creature. You have a new heart, a heart full of love. You have a new direction. You're going after the vision, after the goal, which is Jesus Christ, His purpose for your life. He becomes your Lord and Savior. It's not about about doing your thing, but it's about doing His thing. You say, well, I remember when I prayed a prayer and asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and save me and and I got saved and I can live worldly and, and when I get in trouble, I can just run to Jesus and He can get me out of trouble. Really. You may have said a prayer and you think you have this fire insurance in your life, but I like what Herb Revis said in this. He said, a prayer from your mouth It's not worth anything without faith in your heart. Wow. A prayer? This is the ironic thing. You you can be saved by a prayer, but you'll never be saved without a prayer. (laughs) You can't be saved by just words coming out of a mouth without the faith in the heart. You trust in Christ. That's what brought about the prayer. The prayer is, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my life and save me. That's the prayer. But where does that come from? That comes from the heart. The Bible says it this way. The Bible says that it's from the heart confession is made unto salvation. See, you're confessing with your mouth what you feel in your heart. And if you don't have the faith in your heart, it don't matter what you say with your mouth. You're just as lost as you ever was. And it's going to be proved by your holiness, your set-apartness to God. So the point is, if there is faith in your heart, there's going to be genuine change and transformation in your life. And one thing that happens when you get saved, and that is sinning is not fun anymore. Why is that? Because within you is a transformed heart, and that heart has a new desire, and it is grieved by sin. Chapter 4, verse 1, he said, we exhorted you. That means, you know, you, you, have to, you have to take charge of your own Christian life. Listen, teenagers, it's not mom and dad to make sure that you're sanctified. It's you to make sure that you're sanctified. Adults, it's not your spouse or your children to make sure you're being sanctified. It's up to you to be sanctified. It's you. That's why the Bible says work out your own salvation. don't mean to work to be saved. It means that your salvation is demonstrated by your works and 
shown that you've trusted God. I can't sanctify you. Mom and daddy can't sanctify you. Paul says, I'm going to encourage you that you walk in such a way to please God. Walk in holiness. Notice verse 3. Verse 3 said this, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Abstain. There's some things you're not to have anything to do with. One of them is sexual immorality, fornication. Plain English. Plain English. You know, we have children here, but just plain English. God created sex as an expression of physical love to be exchanged between a man and a woman in the bonds of marriage. That's why we have sex. Between a man and a woman in the bonds of Christian marriage. Did you know God was the first officiating minister? At the first wedding, there when he created Adam and Eve and he brought them together in the bond of marriage, he said the two shall cleave together, cut the apron string from the parents and cleave together. And it's in that union alone, that union alone, there's to be this this expression of sexual love you know, the Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled. So it's in that union. So the Bible says it's wrong for believers, or really for anyone, but especially believers, to have sex out of wedlock. It's wrong. This is the will of God, your sanctification. So there are things that we abstain from because they're sin, and according to the commandments of Jesus, they're wrong. Here's the point. If you're going to be sanctified and be more like Jesus, you can't do these things. They're wrong. Verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, his body, his body. See, as a Christian, your body is important. The reason for that is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Be careful what you put on your body. Be careful what you put uh, on your body. Be careful what you put in your body. Be careful. Your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. So take care of your body. It's a vessel of honor. In the Old Testament, in the temple, they had certain vessels they used. You know, they, they had to stir the fire and to, uh, to use and as they began to sacrifice the animals. They didn't, they didn't use those same vessels anywhere else except there at the temple. Why is that? Because they set them apart to be used for God. They were sanctified. And so the point is, your body is a vessel. And if it's a vessel of honor, you're allowing the, 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 the things that are contrary to Jesus to come into your life. It's bringing dishonor to him. Remember this. Look at verse 6, and we're about finished. No man can go beyond, go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that's the Lord is the avenger. No, I underline the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. So if you go ahead and break God's moral laws, if you live together, not married, or if you have this adultery, adulterous relationship, not married, if you get hooked up on pornography, you know, if, if you're... If you're violating God's standards, just remember, society, you don't have to answer to society. Um, Society doesn't determine the rules. 
God determines the rules. God is, God is all-seeing. He don't miss anything. He knows everything. He, he, he says, I'm the avenger, so the consequence of sin is, is going to come about. It's kind of like uh, defying God. It's kind of like defying gravity. I can get on this building and say, I'm not going to hurt nobody but myself. I'm going to jump off, and I'm going to defy gravity. And I don't, and I fall, and I broke all to pieces. Well, I hurt myself because I defied gravity. When you defy God's law, you don't hurt yourself. Verse 7, look at it real quick. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness and purity, but unto holiness. He's calling us. He's not called us to unholiness, but he's called us to holiness. So have you answered the call of God to, to live a life set apart totally, totally to him? I like what John Newton said. He said, I'm not what, I'm not what, I might be, I'm not what I ought to be, I'm not what I wish to be, I'm not what I hope to be, but I thank God I'm not what I once was, and I'm what I am by the grace of God. John Newton wrote the song, you know, Amazing Grace. Sanctification, the ongoing process in the life of a Christian where the Holy Spirit, who's in you, takes the Word of God and he makes you more like Christ. I'm going to close with a visual. I want you to picture just a moment an iceberg. And we're going to close with this visual. An iceberg. You have that, Joel? Have an iceberg somewhere located. In it. Yeah, an iceberg. Thank you. Have this iceberg. And what's fascinating about that iceberg, 90% of that iceberg is underwater. I mean, when you're looking from a ship and you just see above that water, 90% of that iceberg is under the water. And what happens? The sun melts the top of the surface, and, and that that's below the surface begins to rise to the top. So that that's taken off the surface, the bottom begins to rise to the top. And so his Holy Spirit takes the Word of God, works in your life as you yield and obey, and it causes the surface in your life, the surface of your character, your words, your actions, your attitudes, to be like the likeness and the image of Jesus Christ. So he wants to take off the top where he can bring up the bottom, where you're becoming more and more like Jesus. And so the question is this, are you willing to take a step towards sanctification 2019? That's the question. I'm going to tell you what the first step is to reaching sanctification. The first step is trusting Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You can't become more like God until you, become, until you accept Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You might need to start there today. Or you can, the question is, can... Can your life be characterized as a vessel of honor? I mean, if you look at your life right now and you say, is this a vessel of honor to God or do I need to make some changes? Do I need to repent? Do I need to recommit myself? What's my vessel like? Are you more concerned about living culturally instead of godly? What's your concern? Are you willing to repent? Remember, the Lord is the avenger of all men. And he says there, and you have been forewarned. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to open your word, to be challenged this morning about our sanctification in 2019. 
I pray today that we all have made commitments, Lord, to, to uh, take steps toward sanctification this coming year in 2019. Whatever, Father, that we need to do, that we'll be closer to you in the purpose for our life. Thank you for what you're going to do in this invitation time. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for sanctifying us, positioning us in sanctification that we're set apart for you, but at the same time that we can become more like you every day as we set our face toward that goal. In Jesus' name, amen.